Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Ellie Nieves, and I'm a woman's leadership speaker and coach. Welcome to the Christian Career Women Podcast. If you're a Christian woman who wants to honor God, live with purpose, be known for excellence and integrity, and achieve work-life balance, then this podcast is for you. At Christian Career Women, our goal is to help you aspire, achieve, and thrive in your faith, life, and work. To learn more and to join our free online community, go to ChristianCareerWomen.com. Enjoy the podcast. And welcome, everyone. My name is Ellie Nieves, and I am a women's leadership speaker and coach, and I'm also the founder of the Christian Career Women Network. And our goal is to help women of faith to aspire, achieve, and thrive in their careers and their personal lives. So today we are joined by two very special guests, and we're going to be talking about contentment. We've been talking about contentment for our past couple of Bible studies. The first Bible study was focused on being content to be ourselves and the roles that we play in life. The second uh, Bible study was uh, talking about being content in our relationships. And today we're going to bring it all together. We're going to talk about being content in our lives. And I'd like to introduce my two friends. And actually, I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Um, Many of you know Jasenia. Uh, Jasenia, would you like to reintroduce yourself? And then Rosie, we'll, we'll have you introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Jasenia Garcia Barca. Um, I am a school social worker, a wife, and a mom. And it's uh, my privilege to be back talking with you guys tonight. Rosie? Hi there. My name is uh, Rosie Melosha. Roseanne is my formal name. I am a single woman. I have a cat. And I am a mechanical engineer working. I live in New York, and I work in Danbury. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for um, being our panelists today. I am so looking forward to our conversation. I think that this is one of those uh, really important conversations to have, especially as Christian uh, career women. Uh, we uh, work in the marketplace and we deal with issues of contentment every day, whether it has to do with being content in the workplace, being content in our home lives, being content in our relationships. I think this is a really relevant topic when it comes to uh, women in the marketplace. So let's talk about uh, three barriers to contentment that were identified in the book that we're using as our guide. And that book is Calm My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillo. And again, it's just being used as a guide to, to, for our discussion. Uh, but the uh, three barriers that Linda identified in the book uh, as barriers to contentment are greed, lack of purpose, and anxiety. Greed, lack of purpose, and anxiety. So I'm just going to ask Jasenia and uh, Rosie whether you agree with these, whether you would add something to this, or whether uh, these three barriers ticked off any thoughts in your head when you read them. Um, I'll jump in first. I mean, I think she's uh, right on point in terms of those things being a barrier to contentment. Um, I think particularly anxiety. I think when we start worrying about the future and the unknown, it really just gets in the way of our sense of uh, dissatisfaction and being able to be content. Mm-hmm. 
um, when I saw those three words, the, the word that stuck out to me was greed. And I, most people think of money when they see, when they see the word greed, but as an addict, um, greed means more than just money. When you're not content, you're going to go after anything to fill that void. That's really, um, that's really deep and very reflective. And, and I, and I completely agree with what you're saying. It's, it's not just love of money, love of material things, but it could be anything that we feel that we need more of in our lives. Yes. So here is a quote from the book that says, our hearts aren't satisfied by materialism. They can't be. Not only do we want what others have, our expectations continue to escalate to more, better, and easier. Greed builds a barrier that keeps us from becoming content with what God has given. Sadly, greed is a downward spiral that leads to envy. Envy then leads to debt, all lead to discontent. And I, I think that this echoes what you just shared, Rosie, uh, you know, not just on the materialism piece, but in general, right? Where it could be, it could be anything in our lives that we uh, feel that we need to go after because we need more of it. We need, you know, we need it to be better or we need it to be easier for us. But whatever that thing that grabs our focus that we feel that we need more of could really capture our hearts and our minds and it builds that barrier between us and God. Yes, and when we can't fulfill that hole that the greed is going for, we always place it with something that will uh, drive us further away. That downward spiral hit home for me, um, drinking or drugging or, or spending money. I mean, there's a whole myriad of a A A N A. All those meetings have to do with that downward spiral and, and coming out of that spiral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've got a, a few self-reflection questions here uh, for those of you who have joined us, who are listening in, who are watching. Uh, just uh, this is just giving you an opportunity to really stop and think about what your situation might be. And the questions include. What is the state of my heart? Uh, do I want more? Am I content with what I have or am I up to my ears in credit card debt buying what I can't afford? So this question is obviously specifically geared and targeted towards um, uh, our financial uh, issues. It has a more of a materialistic financial perspective. And uh, I think it's helpful to ask ourselves these questions because sometimes we just go about life, we go about spending, we just go about uh, behaving or in engaging in activity that we don't really stop and think about. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I could definitely speak to the credit card debt because when I was uh, in college and in law school, I was, I was exactly what this says, I was up to my ears in credit card debt. Uh, and I'll speak a little bit more to that later but I think these are really important questions that we need to ask ourselves and we need to reflect on so that we can, um, you know, open up our hearts and be more uh, accepting of what it is that God really wants for our lives. Do you guys have any thoughts or questions? Yeah, this really hit home for me, particularly during this time that we've been quarantined. Um, my daughter and I have been going for a lot of walks and recently we've been walking through this neighborhood called Carmel Heights, which is a beautiful neighborhood. 
just a few blocks away from where we live. And walking through that neighborhood, we've been looking at all of these beautiful homes. And I found just a little part of me inside that just began to say, you know, what would it be like to live in one of those homes? Now, I live in a beautiful home that, that God blessed us with and that I really like. But just that little bit of envy, that little bit of wanting more started to kind of, you know, creep in. And I think if we're not careful, it does creep in. We're always wanting more and wanting to move to that next level. And I think the biggest thing we can use to combat greed is gratitude. I think we need to just take a step back and begin to be grateful for what God's blessed us with. And that kind of closes the door to that greed and that envy and that want for more. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that because I completely agree with what you're saying. I think when we look mm -hmm. at what we have and we are grateful for it, that in itself is the plant. It's where it's, it, it, it creates an environment where God can work in our hearts and in our lives, right? When we open up our, ourselves uh, to that gratitude, knowing that everything that we have, whether it's big or small, that it was uh, a blessing from God. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So when I was looking at these questions, um, it, it was interesting. I didn't realize how far I had come with um, getting out of debt. God has brought me, I, I think I've gotten rid of about $25,000 worth of debt right now. And I still have a little ways to go, but I am not spending nowhere near as much. And I'm, I was grateful for this because I saw how far God had brought me by, by doing this little self-reflection. So mm -hmm. amen. And thank you. <laughs> amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is one of those easy ones to fall into because we don't always understand, you know, what a credit card should be or how it should be used. I know when I um, mm -hmm. uh, was up to my ears in credit card debt, uh, I was using it as a way to finance things that I couldn't already afford. So I thought of it as, okay, so I can't afford this. So I'm going to use my credit card and I'll just pay mm -hmm. it in small increments over time. But the interest rates, not something that I was well-versed in or familiar with or wasn't yep. really paying attention to in the long run, uh, it just escalated and it got to a point where I could barely keep up with the payments. And then my law school loan payments kicked in and I was working a government job. So you can imagine, I just wasn't making enough to cover everything that I owed. And fortunately, I had a friend of mine who... Um, uh, had recommended that I reach out to this not-for-profit organization that uh, worked with credit, basically they were credit counselors, and they negotiated mm -hmm. lower interest rates with all of my credit cards, they shut all the cards down, and then they put me on a payment plan, and I started paying um, uh, all the credit card debt, but even still on the government salary, it just wasn't enough, so eventually I transitioned to a corporate job so that I can make a little bit more, mm -hmm. and then I just became really aggressive about paying off my uh, law school loan after I paid off the credit card debt. Altogether, yep. it took me about seven years to get rid of the credit card debt and to get rid of the law school loan. And let me tell you, it, it was a long seven years. <laughs> mm -hmm. A long seven years. It took a lot of uh, restraint. I had to forego a lot of things. You know, I wasn't going on vacations. I wasn't Mm -hmm. um, you know, buying myself things that I wanted. I just wasn't. I was on lockdown, kind of like what's happening now with the coronavirus. Right? I was on lockdown. I wasn't going anywhere. I was just paying off my debt. And when I paid that last bill, I just was so, felt so liberated. 
-hmm. And I promised myself that I would never get myself into credit card debt again. And that's basically how I've lived my life ever since then. I do have a credit card, but I don't ever, and this is a rule my husband and I have, we never charge anything that we cannot already afford. So basically when we do charge something, really what we're doing is we're trying to accumulate miles because I like to travel so much. So we're trying to accumulate miles on this credit card so that we can travel on miles and then maybe get a, get a little upgrade when we actually do fly. Uh, but we're committed to not carrying a balance on the credit cards. And let me tell you, it takes a lot of discipline, um, but it did take having gone through this situation where I was so, like this says, up to my ears in, in credit card debt to finally make mm-hmm. that transition and take that turn uh, to actually make that change in my life. Yes. So yeah, that was me. This is me in the little picture. (laughs) 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 Uh, But it says there, it says your treasure, right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you guys think of the scripture? I kind of love that verse. And I think it kind of, um, you know, when we're at a place where we have a surplus of money, and what I mean by surplus is the money that's left over, you know, after we've paid our bills. A lot of times we want to make a decision, all right, I want to, maybe I want to go shopping, or maybe I want to plan a vacation. And I think we spend a lot of time planning what we want to do with our money and not enough time praying about what God would have us do with our money. Um, and I remember there was this time uh, and I'm preparing for Christmas and I have children and I like to bless them for Christmas and there's nothing wrong with blessing your children, you know, around the holidays. And I remember seeing a, a student at my school and he was wearing uh, sneakers that were two sizes too big for him because they were donated. And sneakers were one of the things I was planning to buy for my son for Christmas. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to buy my son a pair of sneakers because I want to bless him. He doesn't need another pair of sneakers. And I'm looking at this child who does in fact need a pair of sneakers. And God put it on my heart to bless him with a pair of sneakers. And I think sometimes we need to really just come to God and say, God, how would you have me use this money that you've blessed us with? Because let's recognize that any skill that we have to be able to earn money is a skill that we've gotten from God. And I think we need to sometimes take a step back and beyond that tie really just asking God, what would you have me do at this time with the money that you've blessed me with? And I think that's being kingdom minded and thinking about how our money could expand his kingdom and not just thinking only about ourselves. Amen. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Really nice. I, yeah, I like that. Very nice. Um, it was this verse that helped turn me around when um, I needed to be uh, saving money for my retirement and to get rid of my credit card debt. It was this verse. It is a powerful verse. Definitely one that makes you reflect. And that's what we have next, right? Some self-reflection questions again. And this question really is meant for us to ask ourselves, where is our treasure? And where is your heart? You know, and the author in the book, she Uh, went on to say, you can quickly identify where your heart is if you will survey the things you own and then answer this question. Suppose this treasure were lost, destroyed, or stolen tomorrow. Will I miss it to the point that it would harm my trust in God 
my contentment, or my relationships? If the answer is yes, then your treasure is on earth. Mm. I really found this to be super powerful. And going back to your point uh, earlier, Rosie, where you said that it wasn't just uh, something that's material, I really, I really read that into this particular um, sentence and this quote, because it could be anything that we're so focused on. Our treasure could be in our comfort. And I think we're seeing a lot of that today in the present circumstance that a lot of us are currently quarantined and it's become uncomfortable all of a sudden, right? Um, we were just uh, talking before we turned the recording on about, you know, how, well, you know, I need a haircut soon, right? Or, or you know, haven't been able to go out and get a manicure. You know, we get ourselves into these little routines that um, mm -hmm. really small uh, in the scheme of things, but if you go on for a long period of time, it's like, well, all of a sudden now it starts to affect your mood. It'll affect, you know, how you feel about yourself. It'll start affecting how you interact with other people. Uh, and suddenly our contentment, we're shaken, right? We're mm -hmm. happy as long as everything's flowing smoothly and according to our routine. But we can even make the routine an idol, right? We get, we get wrapped up in the routine or how things just flow in our lives. And all of a sudden, when things get rocked a little bit, we're mad at God, we're pissed off, you know, why is this happening to me? We don't want to talk to people, we're angry at everybody. But I think it goes to that point, Rosie, which is, which is, you know, our hearts don't have to be focused on something material, it doesn't have to be something that we're buying on Amazon. It could just be the flow of life that we get so caught up in that once some things are shaken and things are rocked a little bit, all of a sudden we lose perspective and where is our faith in God now? Yeah. I, 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 what I liked about this particular slide, um, it was how much, like I said earlier, God brought me to where I am, but with this rocking of the boat, I still, I, I didn't feel the rocking. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm upset I'm quarantined. Don't get me wrong. I'm upset I, I haven't been out of the house and I'm, I'm getting stir crazy. But I'm, I'm, I didn't realize how much my job was what God wanted me to be doing. Like um, Yanisha said a little earlier, where um, if you're doing what God has wants you to do to earn your money and you're asking God what to do with that money, I didn't realize how much I was doing what God wanted me to be doing because I am content and I'm this rocking of the boat is, is not waves crashing over me. It's not pulling me down under God has protected me because I still have a job. I'm able to work from home. Um, even being in aerospace, there are a lot of people not doing so well in aerospace right now, but because of our sector, we are, and that's, God for me because he has because I put my trust in him he has allowed me to be content mm -hmm. and I completely get that you know and I, I'm very grateful that I also have uh, employment at this time that allows me to work from home and frankly I've been working from home for the past year and a half so there, mm -hmm. there's not much that has changed in terms of how I work what's really changed is that my husband's home and that you know my, my mom is with us and that everybody else is working from home, right? So there's an adjustment mm -hmm. that everybody else is making and I'm having to adapt to that adjustment that everybody else is making. Right, 
Right. But I also remember back, you know, uh, 2009, 2008, my husband and I both laid off at the same time. Uh, you know, another, another time that kind of rocked society where a lot of people were losing their jobs. Suddenly it wasn't just us unemployed, our friends were unemployed. Uh, you know, it was just, a, it was one of those points in history. We've lived through these really uh, interesting times. I think our generation, right, 9-11, uh, mm -hmm. the, the market crash in 2008, 2009, and now we're living through this coronavirus period. Uh, it's interesting that our generation has had to become resilient in a lot of ways, but we've also become very, um, uh, like I was saying before, we just, we just hold on to these comforts that we have in life. And then it's hard whenever those things are, you know, the, the rug is pulled out from under us. And I think it's mm -hmm. the, the question that we have to ask ourselves as, Christian, as Christians is like, you know, do I trust God all the time, except for when something happens that I don't like, and now all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a difference between, you know, the trust in God and the contentment, because I think if I, if all of my earthly things were destroyed, I would still trust God, but I'm not going to lie. I, I'd be missing my stuff. I'd have a hard time being content. I kind of picture myself like the Israelites. I think there'd be a lot of grumbling and complaining before I kind of got to a point of, of recognizing the blessings that were still present in my life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's always something, right? Cause you can, you can ask yourself, you know, um, we all have different levels of tolerance. There you right? go. So we can all say, well, you know, yeah, I, you, maybe you could take my things away. Right. Like I've always said um, to my husband, you know, I don't need a house. I'm perfectly happy living in an apartment. I grew up in an apartment in the city. You know, I didn't have a lot growing up. So if I didn't have a lot, you know, I'd be fine. You know, I'd be fine living in an apartment. But what if it was less than an apartment? What if I had no apartment at all, right? It's like there's always mm -hmm. a level where you're going to hit your level of discomfort. And you have to, and, and, and at every level, you still have to surrender that to God, right? Everything mm -hmm. that we hold on tightly to uh, we have to say, God, I surrender that to you. And, and, and sometimes when I, even I ask myself that question, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there is there, we all have a, a level, just like you just said, Jesenia, we all have that level, but it, it, it almost, it's a level of fear that I feel right personally, because I ask myself, well, what is that level for me? And, you know, we all hold on to something that we don't want to experience and it's, it's one of those things where we just have to keep trusting God. And that's when we ask ourselves, well, where, where is my level of trust? Like, what, what, is that, what is that line? Where do I draw the line in my trust when it comes mm -hmm. to God? So I think all of this comes down to faith, right? Where is our level of faith in God? Uh, and one of Linda's quotes says, faith rises above circumstances. Faith enables us to be content even when life doesn't make sense. And I think that this quote is so, um, it just resonates with the current time that we're living in right now, right? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so many of us, you know, some of us are okay. Some of us are not. We're filled with fear and anxiety. And some of us go up and down depending on the day. I know I go up and down. There are days where I just, I feel fine. I feel at peace. I feel at rest with God. Uh, but it's usually those days when I get caught up in the busyness of work that I forget to pick up my Bible or maybe forget to pray. And I feel the, the, the level of anxiety kind of tick up. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have to remind myself, you know, where's my faith? And I have to go back to the source and cling to God and remember that when I cling to him, then it's going to help me to rise above the circumstances and whatever is happening 
around me and around us. What do you guys think? In the book, the author, uh, Linda talks a lot about the, the character of God. And I think mm -hmm. when we focus on the character of God, it helps to increase our faith. When you think about his character, you think about the fact that he loves us, the fact that he's wise, the fact that he's in control. And when we're focused on that, instead of focusing on the details of our circumstance, it helps our faith to stay intact. Once we begin to look at our situation, instead of looking at God and who he is, that's when things start to get shaky. And to, to hop on, on that also is uh, my identity in Christ, my identity that God has given me along with what you just said. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, Yanisha, or not, but... Um, Jacenia. <laughs> just said, sorry. Holy it's cow. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, when God's promises and his sovereignty take, are, take hold of you and you remember who you are in him, you're his child. He will take care of you. He mm -hmm. wants the best for you. He wants everything for you. And um, that to me with what I'm not, not going <laughs> to my friend has said and, and the identity, I think both of those things go hand in hand to increase my faith and keep my faith in God. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that because it reminds me of um, how I learned to think about God and, you know, you use the right uh, analogy, which is right. Like he wants to take care of us. Right. And we should rest in that. But I think of him when we call him father, like literally father, right. When you're a parent and you have a child, you want the best for your child, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to discipline them. You're not going to uh, try to teach them hard lessons. It might be, you know, taking away a toy. It might be grounding them, uh, whatever that is. And that discipline, and the Bible even talks about how the discipline might be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, that discipline is what's actually sharpening us and preparing us uh, for more difficult times ahead so that we can be strong and we can hold on to our faith and hopefully uh, transmit that faith on to other people who might be struggling and who also need support and need to be uh, strengthened in a hard time. So what is faith? Uh, Hebrews 11 one says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What do you guys think about that? I like the second part of that verse, that it's an assurance of what we do not see. Right now we're living in a time where everything is uncertain, um, where, you know, some of us don't know if we'll have a job in a few months, some of us don't know if, you know, a loved one is going to be around in a few months. We're living with a lot of uncertainty. And I think faith is just, despite the fact that we have no idea what tomorrow holds, we know that God still sits on the throne and we know that he's still at work. So we may not see it, but we trust him. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that to me is the, at, the, at the heart of it, right? We do not see it, but when we submit ourselves to God, we can feel it. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking about feeling it in um, in some weird supernatural way. I'm talking about feeling it in this level of uh, assurance. Right. Suddenly there is a confidence that we feel inside. It's just a, a level of peace. And we were talking about this the other the other day. Right. It's a, it's that peace that transcends all understanding. understanding. Right? Everything is, is, is rocky and shaking around you. But yet you feel a level of peace and comfort and you feel 
like you're grounded in something. And it's that, that assurance that you know that God is looking out for you, whether you see it or not, you still have that strong sense that he's there for you. So now let's talk about the three areas that uh, Linda addresses in the book. And one of the areas, she says, trusting God with the what ifs. Our what ifs will either drive us to God and faith, or they will drive us to worry and dependence on self. God gives peace and contentment. Worry gives illness and misery. That's a powerful quote. Do you guys have any impressions of, of the quote? What if what ifs are tough? Particularly if you're the, if, I mean, I'm the type of person that likes to be in control and I like to have a five-year plan. So I like to know what's happening for the next five years. Never mind not knowing what's going to happen next week. You know, so typically if, if something is going on right away, I start to think, all right, well, what, what if this happens and what if that happens? And God has to remind me that, he, you know, he, he has the whole world in his hands. You know, the song we, we all sang as, as children is still true today. He's got the whole world in his hands. So when I think of what if, I think, all right. What if I lose my job? He's still the God that provides for my every need. What if I lose somebody that I love? He's still the God that comforts and the God that restores. And so we need to just put our what ifs once again up against the character of God. Mm -hmm. I, I think that worry, um, I know it says gives illness and misery, but I think worry um, can brings people to a much worse level. I don't know how else to put it. Um, worry can decimate someone, can bring, can br make their mental ill, mental ability to 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 survive, not be present anymore. My mom uh, was mentally ill um, for most of her adult life, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that she worried about things that weren't even going to be on her radar. And so worry um, tears your guts up it, from, from what I have seen in my life. And this is where I was saying before, I noticed where God brought me. I, I've lost my job. I've been laid off because I am in aerospace. I've been laid off 12 times in my career and or I should say careers at this point um so I always know that I will have another job I know that God just like my friend was saying I know God will provide for me but um worry doesn't buy you an ounce of anything mm. definitely definitely and, and clearly, I mean, it's been proven, right? And she says uh, worry gives illness, but it's been proven that stress and worry definitely do manifest themselves physically. They really mm -hmm. can make people sick. Uh, I remember mm -hmm. being in a, in a situation uh, um, eons ago where uh, I was literally stressed out every day I, I came home and I was starting to experience this like really bad pain on the side of my face to the point where my jaw was like locking down and I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. I thought something was just wrong with me. Let me go to the dentist. Let me go get it checked out, blah, 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 blah. And it just wouldn't go away. And then one day it struck me because my, my phone rang and when I answered the phone and I heard the voice on the other end of the line, the pain wow. all of a sudden came back. 
Wow. And I was like, oh, I think this pain and this stress is related to this situation. Mm-hmm. So I decided to walk away from the situation. I walked away from the situation and that pain went away. Like Very it just didn't so I, and, and, and it was so funny because I would have never imagined. I'm like, oh, I'm, I can handle stress. You know, I was, <laughs> I always thought that I was one of those people that could handle stress, but I'm like, clearly maybe I was handling it and maybe I wasn't outwardly demonstrating the stress and I wasn't acting out on it, but I was clearly experiencing it, feeling it inside and mm-hmm. it was starting to manifest itself, you know, physically. So I, I completely understand what she's saying when she talks about how, uh, this worry, stress, anxiety, any of these feelings can actually cause physical illness and definitely a level of misery. Mm-hmm. Trusting God. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water what ex- that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought or cease to yield fruit. The scripture lays out two very clear pictures, right? The one of the cursed man and then the one of the, the blessed man or cursed woman and blessed woman. <laughs> what do you guys think here? One of the things that comes to my mind is when all of this started with, as soon as we started, uh, went on quarantine, um, I just started thinking to myself, I can't imagine going through this experience without having the hope that I have in God. And that reminds me of the second um, verse. Sorry, my phone is ringing. (laughs) (laughs) Let me mute myself here and let one of you guys go on. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, whenever I hear about the plant, the tree planted by the water, I always think of Psalm 1. And that's one of my favorite Psalms. Um, because I don't know if I would be surviving right now if I didn't have God. I don't, I, 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 I I can't imagine my life right now where I am without God in my life because he has blessed me and I trust him. Now, I am not saying that I do that 24 hours, seven days a week, but I can't, I can't see it, my life being any other way. And I'm just thankful that when times like this are happening, I can turn to the Bible, I can turn to my worship music, and I can uh, have my roots still be in the ground rather than having them shit you know tossed about the side on the side of the road off the rocks yeah this is one of those times where the heat is on for all of us and we're all feeling the pressure in one way or another and this is one of those times where being rooted in god's word and being rooted in his presence and and walking hand in hand with him it gives you the grace that you need to be able to endure the heat it's like that spiritual sunblock 
You know, you've, you've built that foundation and you've developed that relationship and that connection. And it doesn't mean that you don't feel the heat. It doesn't mean that you don't start right. sweating under the pressure. It just right. means that no matter what you're going through, you're still holding on to him and your leaves are still green and you're still able to get up and to keep going. Mm-hmm. going. Absolutely. And I completely agree with you, ladies. Uh, I feel the same way. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have my faith in God. I, I feel like my, my world would be shaked and rocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, when you said, Rosie, that you've, um, you know, lost your job 12 times and that's how you know that God is going to provide for you. That's exactly the point, right? That mm-hmm. yeah. whenever we go through things, we see how God gets us to the other side. And that's what gives us the assurance that he's going to get us out again, mm-hmm. right? Just because we uh, trust in God doesn't mean that we're not going to go through uh, issues or we're not going to face turmoil. It just means that we're going, right. he's going to give us the strength to be able to get through it. Uh, and yes. I think that that's, you know, what some of us uh, come into the faith misunderstanding what it means to come into the faith. It's not that we're, or there's going to be an absence of problems, an absence of worry. It's not that. It's an assurance that we're going to get through it, regardless of what the situation and the circumstances. Before I became a Christian, I lost my, I, pardon me, um, Ellie. I, I lost my job maybe about... Uh, six times and then after I became a Christian I lost it again about six times but the times that I lost my job before I became a Christian were horrendous were stressful were I can't I can't even put into words how upsetting it was for me but after I became a Christian and I saw how God was taking care of me after every single time it became less and less stressful to lose a job. Mm, that's great. That's wonderful. So our, our next uh, topic here is uh, trusting God with the if onlys. And the next quote from Linda is, I am content with what I know. I am not perturbed by what I don't know. And this is always interesting, right? Because a lot of us, especially women, we, we don't like not knowing. We need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Yeah, I mean, I know I need to know. Um, but here, here's a, like a, a wonderful quote. It's not perturbed by what I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, it makes me think about the situation we're in. We just don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea. Um, you know, even when all this stuff started happening and we first got called into quarantine, people thought, oh, it's just two weeks and we'll be out of the woods. And no, it's just kind of get, escalating. And then now we're talking about May 15th. You know, it is now April 23rd today. Uh, I don't know if May 15th. Yeah, I just I don't know June 15th. I don't know July 15th for sure. Uh, we just don't know. And they're, uh, the CDC is already predicting that, you know, there'll be another outbreak in the fall that'll be worse than this one. I can't even imagine it being worse. You know, I don't know. We don't know. Uh, so when we talk about this as an uncertain time, yes, absolutely. It's the most uncertain that I've ever been of anything, any of us. So uh, reading this uh, scripture, uh, not scripture, reading this quote, and stopping to think about being in a situation where we can be content with what we do know, right? The science that's currently being talked about, what our leaders are currently saying, and that every day we're waking up to a new reality in some ways, right? Because there's always a new development. And just being content with what we do know right now, 
and not being bothered by what we don't know is possibly going to happen in the next several days, weeks, or months ahead. What got me through the beginning of all this was the verse where Jesus tells us to not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Mm -hmm. And I leaned on that the first one or two weeks because now I've stopped thinking about, um, personally anyway, stop because I had to do stuff for work to plan for all this for three months out actually. But for myself, I don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I really don't need to know what's going to happen next week. I need to make sure I have food in my stomach now and a bottle of water next to me now. So I'm content knowing that I have food in my refrigerator and I have water that I can drink. If it, so I understand what this is saying, especially if I'm going to go back to what Jesus is saying to me constantly, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This quote reminds me of um, Psalm 46.10 that says, uh, be still and know that I am God. And so mm -hmm. when I look at the first part of that quote that says, I am content with what I know, and, and I have no idea what's going to happen in this world, even a week from now, let alone a year from now. But right. I'm content with knowing that the God that I serve is faithful and that he's in control and that he's at work and that he promises never to leave me and never to forsake me. So whatever mm -hmm. storm comes, and, and there are going to be many storms that do come, I'm content with knowing that God is on the boat with me. Amen. Amen. Many, many, men. Yes, preach it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing to talk about trusting God with the if onlys. If only looks to the past and grumbles about what God has given. If we are to find contentment in the midst of trial and uncertainty, we must accept our situation as being purposefully allowed into our lives by our personal and loving God. Mm -hmm. That is, is really good, especially just that last line that says he's a personal and he's a loving God. Earlier you mm -hmm. spoke about how a parent just wants what's best for their child. And we really need to remind ourselves that, that God is our daddy. He's our father God and he wants what's best for us. And he doesn't cause these horrible things to come into our life, but he, you know, he allows them and he uses them and he works them together for the good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I just appreciate this perfectly constructed sentence, right? Purposefully allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that God did allow it, but there's a purpose behind why he allowed it to happen. And, and, and that's one of those things that I really, really fully trust that whatever God allows, he really does have, you know, a purpose behind it. I think it's behind why it's, it's why when, when I was struck with the breast cancer, I never, I never once prayed God, why me? I never did that. What I did pray was God, get me through this. Didn't mean I wasn't sad about going through what I was going through. I was sad, but I never said, God, why me? Uh, mm. and, and we need to get to that place, I think, in our faith. And that's not to say that maybe something else won't happen and I won't ask myself that question, but it, I certainly didn't ask it during that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we all need to get to that place and ask ourselves, you know, can we, can we set aside 
um, our momentary discomfort or pain or anguish because it could there's different levels of pain it could be something that's lighter it could be something that really weighs heavily in our hearts um, mm-hmm. can we take that pain whatever at whatever level it is and say to God God I trust that you that there's a purpose behind you allowing for this to happen and to not and to also be aware that you may never know what that purpose is mm-hmm. 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 because the things that you go through it may be years or may never come to fruition as to why god allowed that mm-hmm. and that's part of being the contentment right <laughs> that's a right. huge part of the contentment of that yeah yeah and that reminds me of how we're always looking for reasons right? We always want to read the tea leaves. We want to read into situations in our lives. We're looking for the signs. That must be a sign, right? That must be be a sign from God. But sometimes it's not a sign. Sometimes you're right. God is not going to tell us why we're going through something. It reminds me of Paul in the Bible. Poor Paul. He went through some stuff. Yeah, he 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 went through a lot of stuff. Guy was like in jail. He was beaten. He got a snake bite him. He was in a he was stoned. He was stoned. He was he was whipped. He was yeah. I mean the guy. I mean the poor guy, right? Um, and I mean, and he and he was he had given his entire life to God, right? He he would he would have been a prime candidate to say, God, why? I'm giving mm-hmm. you my life. I've changed everything. I'm giving you everything. Uh, why am I suffering like this? But the reason he suffered, and I'm sure he didn't know this during his lifetime, right? Because he passed away. But the reason he suffered was so that we can talk about him right now. <laughs> yes. So that we could look at his life as a model of faith, right? So that we can see how he lived and how he survived and how he gave everything for God and how we can't complain in comparison, right? Same thing yep. when we look at uh, Jesus's example in the Bible. Look at everything that he suffered. Whenever we're asked to suffer a little bit, how can we complain when look at everything that Jesus gave up? Look at how he mm-hmm. suffered. Look at the pain that he went through. So how can I not go through a little bit of pain when he gave his entire life for my sins? You know, and we look at the Bible now and it's a testament now, right? It's, it's, what, it's what we hold on to. And uh, it's, it's what we you know, it's, 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 it's what gives us our level of faith or another, I go back to Paul, like the guy just wanted to get to Asia, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's all he wanted. I'm like, this this poor guy's just trying to get to Asia. He never made it to Asia, but guess what did make it to Asia? All the letters that he wrote, all of the epistles, there are people sneaking Bibles into China today, risking their lives. And Paul, Paul is speaking to the people. So guess what? He made it to Asia. He just didn't do it in his lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what's going to happen to us. There are going to be things that we're just not going to understand in the natural, in the present. But there may be some other purpose behind it. And it's only for God to know. We may never know. We may never even see it in our lifetime. I will remember I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. 
That's Psalm 77 verses 11 through 14. I love this because it speaks to everything that we've been saying, right? Whenever mm -hmm. we encounter the challenges, we just need to look back at the last challenge that we had. And remember how God got us through it. And that's what's going to give us the peace to get through the next one. And it's, it's amazing how the Israelites had to get this lesson over and over and over and over and over and over and over, <laughs> and over again. And yes, there are some days I need to get this lesson over and over and over again also. But this is the whole point. This is this like, to me, this sums it up, um, is remembering what he's done in order to go forward. And, and that's, that's, Jeremiah says that, Hosea says that, there's a whole, all the, all the prophets would say, remember what the Lord did and he will bring you through the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he's faithful. I mean, you look through the stories of the Bible and you see countless times when God showed up for people. And when we look through our own personal experiences and we read our own stories, we see countless times where he's been faithful and he's showed up. So when the next trial comes, we do need to look back. We need to remember that, that our God is faithful and that our God is good and that our God shows up, maybe not on our timetable or our schedule or in our way, but right. he does in fact show up. Amen. Trusting God with the wise. Another self-reflection question. Are you content to walk through the dark on a crooked path, hand in hand with God? A, a powerful question, mm. especially because we don't always know that God is there, right? It reminds me of that poem with the, the sand, the, the footsteps, the footprints the in footprints. the sand. Right. We look back and we think that those are actually our footprints, but they were really God carrying us. Uh, so do we do we have a real strong sense that when we're walking in the dark and then we're walking through a crooked path that God is actually holding our hands in the process? What do you guys think of this question? I mean, I don't think it's easy. I think when we're in the middle of a dark season, in the middle of a difficult situation, um, it is easy to say why, and it is easy to say, God, where are you? Um, but I think that's why it's so important to look back so that we can remember how he has come through for us in the past, in the past, and that kind of encourages us and helps us to be able to go forward. But it's not easy. It's not easy to hold God's hand during the dark, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, but just being able to hold his hand and being able to know that he's with you, it just helps you to press on. To, to walk in the dark on a, on a uh, sorry, I keep saying, talking after you switch the slide. Sorry, Ellie. We'll um, the, you know, walking through the dark, it doesn't scare me as much as walking on that crooked path. Mm -hmm. That where it, the, the plan isn't straight and you don't know what the plan is because God um, knows and he hasn't shared it with you because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're you and I'm me. Um, there are some, some, I know in the beginning of my faith, I don't remember holding God's hand a whole lot, but as time wore on and as time has gone on, I, I know that I'm stronger in holding his hand through the dark and crooked times. Mm -hmm. I love that. You say the crooked times because, you know, you're right. Everything's not a straight path and we can, 
we can plan like Tessenia, you said, you know, you have your five-year plan. I, I had a five-year plan too. And I, I saw exactly where it went off, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's, always, there's always that desire that we have. And, and not that God doesn't want us to plan, right? But Proverbs talk about planning. Uh, planning we, need right. to, we need to put it in his hands, right? We plan and then we surrender. We plan and surrender. surrender. That's, mm -hmm. that's the process. So living by faith, the righteous will live by faith. That's Habakkuk 2, 4. And then, um, and forgive the misspelling thereafter, I didn't spell it correctly. And then uh, the next um, uh, Habakkuk uh, scripture is, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hind's feet and makes me walk on my high places. This is so powerful, right? Basically it's saying if your cupboards are empty, it doesn't matter. You're just gonna keep trusting in the Lord. And rejoicing, that I think is the hard part, right? The rejoicing piece of it all. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do we rejoice uh, when we're not happy or when we're feeling really sad or when things just don't seem to be going uh, the way we thought they should be going? It's really hard to rejoice. Or even those scriptures that say that we should give our cares to God and we should pray to him, but we should do it with thanksgiving, right? It's like... It's, it seems like an oxymoron almost. That's when I rely on the Psalms more. When I'm going through that sad time, I rely on what David wrote, King David wrote, in order to rejoice. Because I don't have it in me. I totally, I do not have rejoicing going on in me when I'm in the middle of being <laughs> sad. It's not happening. And that's when I pull out the Psalms and I read them out loud. Mm -hmm so that my feelings don't get in the way of my rejoicing. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's, 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 that's that verse that says, um, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I think it says it a second time because we're thick-headed and we're slow to the take. <laughs> and we need to kind of speak to ourselves and remind ourselves, rejoice, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's less, you know, we're going to be honest, it's not easy. When we're in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a crisis, it's not easy. And sometimes we, have, we want to have a pity party. And I think we just need to have honest conversations with God. And we need to say, God, I'm, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm lonely, whatever it is that you're going through. Have that honest conversation with him and say, but God, mm -hmm. I want my heart to be at a right place. I want my heart to rejoice. I want to keep my eyes on you and remember that you're my strength. And I think God will meet us where we're at when we come to him. Uh, honestly. Amen. And I think it reminds me of what you're saying is, is how we even started the conversation when we talked about gratitude. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that rejoicing is rooted in gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we are in a, in, a, in a bad space and we stop and we take the time to just say, okay, I'm, maybe I'm not going through something uh, in a good fashion right now, but what can I be thankful for right now? Right. If you can just sit there and even in the dark time count whatever blessings you do have, mm -hmm. there, that's, where, that's where you're laying the foundation to be able to rejoice. Mm -hmm. It can completely just turn 
your mood, your situation around in that moment, if you can stop and say to yourself, yes, I'm going through a dark place right now, but I'm so thankful for this and I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for this. And then you'll start seeing that rejoicing will start to creep in. And that'll give us an opportunity to praise the Lord, which is what he wants okay. us to do. Mm -hmm. And here we come to the, to the last quote, which is contentment is a soul sufficiency available to each of us, a peace separate from our circumstances. You guys have any closing thoughts or remarks? I just think that wraps it up. Really uh, being content comes from God being the one that satisfies you. So that means if you're satisfied with God, regardless of what's going on around you, you're going to be able to walk in peace and you're going to be able to walk in strength because your soul has been satisfied by the only one who can satisfy. When you go into work, when I was going into work, um, the couple of times I went in the past month um, and I go in smiling, I was getting strange looks but it was because I had the peace of God with me because I had that contentment because he is on my side. And this quote sums up exactly what I'm glad we did the study. Thank you both for, for being such great panelists. I just love your, your insight and, uh, what you've shared clearly comes from wisdom and experience. Uh, so I really am blessed that you guys have shared your, your life experiences with, with us today and in this study. So I'm going to turn off the recording, but I'm going to, um, after I turn off the recording, allow our uh, guests to chat with us. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.